Wow, that was incredible. <laughs> My nerves are raw. I'm Jo Pierce. I'm going to be the host tonight. I'm thrilled to do so. Um, I'm going to fangirl out and say, by order the Peaky Blinders, please, can we have the production team to the stage? Chris, Nicole, John, Danny, and Alan, please come up. Come take a seat, guys. So I'm going to be the host, although after that, my nerves are raw. <laughs> wow. Right, could we start with you, Nicole? Do you want to tell everybody who you are and a quick introduction of what you do? My name is Nicole Northridge, um, and I am the production designer for Series 5 for Peaky Blinders. So I hope you all enjoyed it tonight. It was the first time I'd seen it as well. Um, Pass you on. I'm Chris, co-producer from Series 5, and uh, again, like Nicole, I hope you did enjoy it. I've seen it a few times, but it's always good to see it with an audience on the big screen. Hello. Uh, my name's Danny Hargreaves. I'm the special effects supervisor for Peaky Blinders, and... Uh, Aaron Glasser, floor supervisor. Uh, I'm John Midland. I was the uh, first assistant director. So I think we've got to kick off and talk a little bit about that episode. Chris, I'm going to throw to you as producer. Can you tell us, you know, what were the challenges in making that episode from a creative point of view? How did you pull it all together with the team? Well, I, I think not just this episode, but the whole series, of course, is always a, a balance, really, between... Tommy's new career in Parliament and the family stories and that's where obviously the true emotion lies um, and it's great to see for instance scenes like the one in Charlie's yard between Charlie and Tommy which is like a golden moment really where you actually get a chance to sort of discover something new about Charlie's history uh, sorry Tommy's history and his reaction to it I think the the challenges for us uh, across the whole series, and particularly in this episode, are always, always time, which is always against us. In this particular episode, uh, the sequence you saw at the end, uh, which was actually shot at Stockport Plaza, was a big undertaking for us, um, and obviously everything that went with it, uh, which I have to say was beautifully managed by John. Um, but uh, again, it's allowing enough time for the actors and Anthony, the director, to spend time working on the characters. Uh, good as they are and beautifully led by Killian, uh, I think they always need that space to be able to talk about the scene and work through it before actually putting the camera on it. And that's always a hard thing to provide them with. Um, but as you can see, obviously, the performances are fantastic. Um, again, I think, uh, as always with any big drama like Peaky Blinders, again, it's a balance between what we can achieve and what's possible within the budget. And again, I think, deferring to Nicole, the design of the whole show, particularly this episode, again, is absolutely brilliant. Uh, and you can make a dollar go a long way. And the show has always, always punched above its weight and I don't think this particular episode is any exception. I 
actually, I'm just going to pick up on a point that you've just talked about in terms of, you know, making sure there's enough time that you can keep the production on track. And I'm going to throw to John as the first, who's, you know, that, that's all in your, your hands, scheduling it, keeping this amazing show that's very high, intense, intensive, you know, the schedules, the ambition for it so big. How do you keep it on track? Um... I mean, as Chris said, I think the hardest thing is, um, you know, the production values of Peaky Blinders are really high. Uh, the scripts are incredibly complex. There's a huge amount happening. I mean, every episode always feels like it's an hour and a half long rather than an hour because there's so much in it. Um, but we, we don't have a lot of time to shoot it in. I think we shoot six episodes in 15 weeks, which on a show this big uh, is not a lot of time at all. On a there's kind of rule of thumb when you're working on a TV show is that you can generally shoot between three and a half to four and a half, five pages a day. And on Peaky Blinders, we would routinely be shooting sort of six, seven, sometimes even eight pages a day, which is a huge amount on a, on a period show with massive uh, production values. Um, and that was the hardest thing. I mean, you're always up against it. It's always tough. Um, any shoot, any shoot is always tough. Um, but especially on this, because you kind of have an ob well, you know that you have an obligation to, to the fans. You know that you know, there's been four series before that that have been fantastic, and you don't want to be the ones that fuck it up. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's it. Phew, really. you didn't. <laughs> I think everybody was happy with that. Yeah. <laughs> so, there's actually one gang or one team, I think, do have the ability to bring the Peaky Blinders to their knees. And I think we're going to show a clip of that gang now and then have a conversation about them. Can you roll the VT, please? My name is Shelby. I'm going Shelby now too, Linda. Sometimes we would have to take over, like in the war. Drink beers. Get out. You better show people you're still the cops for the war. Shut up and listen. Have you lost your mind? Listen, shut up. Welcome to the bush, Rossier. What are you drinking, ladies? That's what you're supposed to say. Yes. Why should the boys have all the fun? I don't often have to ask permission from anyone to do anything. May I smoke? No.
front of my face and show you how a rich guy fights. Now, we women have more sense. Now that's a pretty powerful bunch. In terms of the, the women of Peaky Blinders, I guess, Chris, I'm throwing this to you. My interpretation of watching it through the different series is very much that Tommy really sees Polly as an equivalent, has respect for her. Would you agree with that? Is she his equivalent in terms of you know, his smart, how smart she is, but also she's pretty fearless, right? Yeah, no, I would agree. I, I think the thing about Tommy, of course, is that he's constantly sort of thinking, and you never know quite what he's thinking, and that includes Polly. But I think of anyone, really, and Polly... <laughs> She's in there. Yeah, she is. Partly because, obviously, of their relationship and her being his aunt, there is a sort of mutual respect between them. Um, and, of course, in terms of the family hierarchy, you know, you forget, of course, that... Tommy is the younger brother, you know, there's sort of like an Arthur sits above him, really, but he's the strength. But Tommy and I think Polly have this particular relationship where, as I say, there is the mutual respect, and if he's going to share something, he'll share it with her first. Um, so I, I don't really know. I mean, I think in terms of the strength of the characters, you, I don't think you could have a drama series like Peaky Blinders where you've got such strong male leads without equally strong female leads. Um, and of course, you know, Helen particularly playing uh, Polly is a great example of that. But then Stephen's writing also adds to that. And I think, you know, as John alluded to earlier, you know, the, the stories, the scripts are so rich uh, with so many different things. It's difficult to give them the space that they really need. But of course, those relationships, as I say, particularly Polly and Tommy is one that you go, actually, we need the space and the time to play that properly and indeed to edit it in as it needs to be. So, Nicole, I'm going to come to you now. This is your first season of it Peaky is. Blinders. Yep. Yep. Do you want to talk us through how it's been? How did you prepare yourself for it? Such, you being the production designer, that's a hell of a job for a period <laughs> drama like this. It is. It in 2019. I know. Well, I'm actually... Um, still kind of reeling because it's the first time I've seen that um, episode all together. I saw rushes as it went along and Chris knew I had some fears, things, you know, lots of modern stuff. That's our biggest enemy. Well, one of the biggest enemies trying to hide modern stuff. Um, so yeah, seeing all that put together, it just, I'm a little bit emotional at the moment. Um, uh, it, yeah, prepping, well, first off, I was such a massive fan of Peaky Blinders to begin with. Um, avid fan of the four seasons so prior to this um so to be merely called for an interview for Peaky Blinders was just incredible and I thought whether or not I get the gig I've read a script oh my god because <laughs> Stephen's writing is incredible it's so visual um so when I got it I straight away started researching that is for me the key to everything is trying to get everything as realistic as possible to the period, because it's just a magnificent period. It's so beautiful. The, the, the colour and the richness um, 
within the 20s and leading into the 30s. It's just my favorite time, basically. It's just beautiful. It's like a dream come true working on a show like Peaky Blinders because not only do you get in, try and get in as much detail and reality, but you're also given the sort of abstract reign because Peaky is, I, well, Peaky's its own world. It's got a real graphic feel to it. It's, it's not quite reality. It's sort of heightened reality. And I think we were trying, that was one of our key things to play with that all the way along. Um, so it, it, it's, it's, it's the Peaky world, you know and feel the look of it. And it's adding a twist of graphic abstraction to it as well. So you can, it was a lot of fun. It was really hard work, but incredibly good fun. What was your biggest challenge? <laughs> there, there was many. Um, Let's I, just go with one. We'll, we'll go with one. We'll go. <laughs> actually, just just bringing back to this seri- uh, to, to episode six. I think what it was was um, Alfie's Margate apartment because that was such a big secret. I can talk about it now. I'm actually afraid to talk about it because any any time I was spoken to or did any articles, it was like, don't mention Alfie, don't mention Alfie. Um, so it was really difficult. I think um, one of the biggest challenges is um, ju- just trying to be creative with it and recycle as you go along because, as Chris mentioned, it's not the biggest of budgets. So, um, but but that is in itself a fantastic challenge because it makes you become more creative. I feel um, I got fantastic art department with me who I could not have done it without. Um, they're my friends as well as my co-workers, my colleagues. Um, and Alfie's apartment was actually the third reincarnation of a particular set. It started out as um, the hospital where Abarama was with Polly. That then got turned around and changed, and thank you for giving me a lot of time, John, in the schedule. <laughs> many meetings with John to try and work out how quick we could get things ready and turned around. Um, but it, it's, it's not quick because you want to keep the detail in it. We have such a huge construction team working with us as well. Um, I don't know if you notice, like in the garrison, all the walls are plastered before they're wallpapered, and there's many, many coats of paint on top of that, and then washes and glazes to get smoky. There's a huge process that goes into it. Um, so the hospital set got turned around into um, the friends' meeting place where Arthur cut um, Linda's new friend, and he was just a friend, by the way. Um, And then that set got turned around into Alfie's um, apartment. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. So, um, and that... That, that was actually the last thing we shot, wasn't it? Alfie's, yeah. It was, it was the very last day. Yeah, yeah. it was. The last day was was just Killian Um, and uh, Tom. That's Mm. right, yeah. Um, And that, that really was one of my favourite sets to do because we just went to town with it. I do love detail, so I think you can see in that there was quite quite a lot of dressing went into it. It took quite a few days to dress. It um, looked incredible. Um, and then the other ones that I loved doing were the dressing rooms in Bingley Hall downstairs because they, they were so modern and they were underground. It was really tight space to get down to. Logistically, it was a nightmare uh, for, for me, for the art department. Um, so, and the, and the dressing rooms were so modern, filled with um, strip lighting, plugs, sockets everywhere, that that's why they were so heavily draped and dressed, because we had such little dressing time as well, because you've got to think of all these clever tricks. How fast can we get this done when you've only got a day 
to try not to, to give John a heart attack. No, John was great no. on this one. It was the <laughs> <laughs> location logistics. So yeah, because there were actually it was panto season when we were trying to do that. So trying to throw panto out and us get in, it was all a bit of a juggle. Yeah. Well, it looked absolutely <laughs> incredible, amazing. Oh, you would you. never know that that well, was a recycle set. Job done. <laughs> so Dan, I'm going to throw to you now. This is your third season. Third season, yeah. Blinders. Yeah. So I just wanted to get from you and Aaron, actually. I mean, you can also reflect on the last three series, but also this series, the minefield, the gypsy cam. Mm. Tell us a bit about it. The feathers. The feathers, yeah, feathers. lots of feathers, you probably notice. Um, I mean, it's been an incredible journey for us, hasn't it? You know, um, particularly coming from, I mean, I first started in season three all the way through to, to where we are now. So there's been a progressional thing in terms of special effects and I think it's easy to see um, the bullets, the bangs, the blood um, uh, but it's also the atmospherics which I think play a huge part in the show. So you'll see, uh, you'll see a lot of walking uh, in the show, lots of, lots of smoke but we, do, we call them walk-ins and walk-outs and I think you all know what they are when we're following the camera behind or in front and there's always something going on, some sort of explosion or fire or sparks or something, or feathers. Yeah, so, um, so that's a huge part of what we do. My team turn up and just basically try and keep um, the set alive. So, so, so it's just um, keep things moving, really, don't we? And, but then, you know, um, I think challenges, really, for, for this season, I think um, uh, obviously the minefield was pretty... pretty Pretty, pretty intense. Pretty tasty, yeah. you know. It's very intense. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you've got Killian uh, super, super close to all those explosions. Yeah, that's all Killian, there was, yeah. He doesn't like to use his stunts, you know. Um, and then, again, going into the, uh, uh, the gypsy camp as well, again, trying to make that as explosive and as dramatic as possible. And, and then, I think, when we, when we blew the car up as well, we, we didn't want to just blow it up. Um, we tried to make it a little bit more stylish, didn't we, and play the story within with with um with tommy basically didn't we so the window yeah, yeah. We shot that separately yeah so i mean you're there every day aaron aren't you so how <laughs> how do you get time to prep it to it i mean this is all amazing stuff but uh, it's not know. just me <laughs> no 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 there's a couple of us so it's yeah it's it's a team effort. So how many roughly is on your team to run a show like this? Not enough. Please, Chris. Can we have more? <laughs> Why did I ask Chris? Why did I ask? It's a very small team. You, you won't believe it. I mean, the show is actually quite small. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, you see these huge uh, feature films and we can't compete with that uh, financially. Um, so we're trying, every department is trying to come up with new ways of saving money and try and, and I guess that's what brings cre the creativity in Peaky and particularly with our department, you know, like we, we probably have three, maybe four guys, sometimes two, you know, really not a lot, a lot. Um, and then even the busy days, no more than six. So, we, you know, there's never really a lot of us and minefield was actually four people yeah wow. not enough yeah and especially with john shouting at us as well so <laughs> so um only when you deserve it yeah <laughs> i've worked with him john i know where you're coming <laughs> from mate <laughs> brilliant so dan before we open this up for yep. questions i think you've got something well i thought you? well to be honest i thought we'd do a little demonstration of some special effects if everyone's all right with that I'm going to make a little bit of a noise, though. It's going to be a bit of a bang. So, um, is everyone all right with that? Okay, good. 
So yeah, if you want to uh, do the business, so I was going to do a, I was going to do a little plant and pretend I'm pulling this guy out of the out of the um, out of the crowd. But he's actually a guy that works for me. This is Taz. Say hello. Are you all ready to go? <laughs> I'm shaking your hand. Right, good to go. So um, what I would love is I need a Tommy Shelby. You look like one, don't you? Let's have you. Come with me, sir. You all good? Right. Now, we're going to do a little bullet hit on someone. This is what we do. Um, I was going to do it on the stage, but obviously we've got a really expensive screen there, so let's not do that. And here I prepared earlier is a nice prepared floor. So, Taz, if you turn around and face me this way. So imagine we're on set on Peaky at the moment. We've got the big man himself, Killian Murphy. Well, he's not that big, actually. We're going to get you up here. More. Yeah, he's more. six foot. Okay, yeah, he's six foot. Um, so Aaron will be on the floor. I'll be talking to the actors and pretending I'm really busy, but really I'm not. Um, and essentially what we would do is we'd block the scene. Uh, there'd be, obviously, there's always atmospherics. There's a, lots going on. And there's normally this kind of thing is on a 15-minute take when there's a load of dialogue. And then your bit is always at the end. And if you get it wrong, you've just wasted that take. Trust me, I hate it. Okay, so... Everyone ready? Are you like armed? So what we do is basically we're going to count three, two, one. You're going to point the gun at the guy. You're going to gesture to pull the gun, and something bad is going to happen to him. Except we are ready to go. Okay. Everyone ready? Ready. Three, two, one. <laughs> you bad man. Thank you very much. Take the gun. <laughs> There we go. Stand there. Don't drip everywhere. <laughs> uh, so this is where we got. Undo yourself, Taz. Come on. Let's show the world what your muscles are like. Come on. So what we got here, we've actually got um, a pad. Um, it's uh, a metal plate inside there. Uh, the metal plate does two things, primarily to protect the actor himself um, and secondly to, pr to project the explosive force. Yes, that was an explosive in, in his chest and it projects the, the blood outwards and creates a hole in his shirt like that. Super, super dangerous. Um, please don't try this at home. <laughs> um, but again, you have to work out your proximities around your actors. Uh, you've got a Hollywood actor in front of you. I've got really big insurance. Um, but you have to be really, really careful about the proximities of where people are going to be. Um, you have to speak to the actor to ensure that that person is, is okay to do it. Um, and it just takes time. And this is the time we have. We don't have a, a stunt unit as such, but we're into the, the dialogue days and, and stuff like that. So, so we have to work with the, the, the shoot crew and John, who's given me two minutes to do this. <laughs> there we go. Thank you, Taz. Thank you. Well done. So, Chris, I just think you just wanted to say something before we. Yeah, I just wanted floor. to say. Obviously, that's an, a small example of the fantastic work that Real Effects have done across oh, the whole series. <laughs> Thank you very much. Absolutely. I mean, you look at Garrison Lane alone. Huge amount of work to get there. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, so I think you've probably heard enough from me, so let's get some questions from the audience. Who's got a question? We'll go here first and then we'll come back. Hiya, uh, big fan. Um, obviously, 
we've all given our phones in tonight because to avoid any kind of uh, uh, surprises getting out, things like that, nobody wants to know about Alfie, etc., etc. <laughs> but as soon as I heard the line, I'm going to kill Oswald Mosley, um, you kind of go, well, we know that's not going to happen. So obviously, there's, a, there's a, a difficulty where fact meets fiction. How difficult a decision was it for the production team to actually go with that story? I mean, obviously, that's Stephen's, that's mostly obvious, I would presume, Stephen's decision. But how difficult is it to say, we're going to give you something which we know won't happen, so we know that that's going to affect the story? Because immediately I knew that. I went, oh, well, that's not going to happen. How are they going to get around that? Which is another interesting way of doing it. But how difficult a decision was it? Uh, I mean, it is a difficult decision to make, but as you rightly say, very much Stevens, and then obviously a discussion with the producers and Anthony, the director. Um, that particular incident, as you rightly say, of course, never happened. We know, obviously, that Mosley did hold rallies, um, but in order to create enough dramatic tension, obviously, you have to believe that it's still Ollie's, um, um, Tommy's plan to go through with it. And I think that whilst, obviously, you know there's going to be, at some point, a failure, you don't quite know how that's going to happen. And, of course, as we've seen, the twist, of course, of all of that is that Tommy has been rumbled and effectively lost his shooter lost Amarama. Um, they're, they're sort of the, the dramatic twists, I guess, are what you come out with. So whilst you correctly go, yes, I know that's not going to happen, but I'm going to watch it because I want to see what does happen. Um, but the beauty of Stephen's writing, of course, is that he intertwines real historic events. So obviously, yes, you've got Mosley, you've got Churchill, sort of mixed amongst our fictional, and I say fictional characters, but of course, as we know, the Peaky Blinders did exist. Not with this particular family, but of course, it's that wonderful combination of the drama that the family give us against this background of historic events. It's a, it's a fine line that you tread, um, and of course, you won't always necessarily win it, but I think the series does really well to give you, hopefully, the best of both. Thank you. Hi guys, thanks for bringing this to us tonight. Really enjoyed it. Bloody brilliant. Thank you. Uh, just curious, uh, there's a couple of uh, high profile series recently that have come to an end and sort of didn't nail the landing, as it were. Um, they, they, they kind of ballsed up the final few episodes. Good <coughs> question for Chris, really. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to name names, but uh, yeah, there, there was one in particular I, I stopped watching about um, two seasons in when I read an interview with uh, one of the, the writers who said they were literally making it up on the fly. There was no game plan. I was wondering, is there a game plan? Is there an arc? Are we going somewhere? Or is it a bit more of a case of the sort of making it up as they're going along? Uh, okay, so this is quite an interesting question. Um, Stephen uh, knows in his head sort of where the stories are going. Um, but he can't tell you uh, because they are very much... I mean, he's a very much a, a writer who literally allows the characters to speak to him. And it's a bit like writing a novel. Um, so you spend a sort of a nail-biting time waiting for the scripts to come in and you go, oh, my God, that's fantastic, but not really knowing what's going to happen beyond that. 
the plan, such as it is, obviously is the waiting game. And the waiting game is one that you play in order to get the best from Stephen and give him the time to do that, but then also allowing the creative process, and I don't just mean, obviously, the design department, special effects, but also production. And John, bless him, putting the schedule together, which, of course, is our Bible. I don't think you could go into a show like Peaky Blinders with a kind of like a maybe this, maybe that, without a plan, because it would go horribly wrong very quickly. The scale of the, the setups that we do, the management of the cast, their availabilities, the locations that we use, the set building time, it's a huge jigsaw puzzle, puzzle rather, that needs careful attention. And Stephen is respectful of that, but he also obviously needs that time just to allow the story to unfold. So when we're reading them, it is as much a surprise to us as it is to anyone else, because they're thinking, oh, I never saw that coming. Which is a really nice experience, actually. But uh, certainly, as I say, you know, when you're planning 15 weeks of shooting on this scale, there has to be a proper plan. <laughs> does that answer your question? It does, yeah, thank yeah. you. <laughs> Do you know, it's lovely to look out into this crowd. You've all made such an amazing effort. Yeah. It's free extras for you here straight yeah. away. <laughs> How beautiful they look. Okay. Um, can I come to you and then to you next, please? Mike, please. <laughs> Hi, guys. Thanks for coming. That was a great episode, another great series. Thank you. So my question is, as the series has grown in popularity over the years and it's got bigger and bigger and so forth, how do you approach production and design as everyone wants to know what the ending's going to be? How do you keep the secrets? How do you manage that accordingly? <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's very much a, a case of keeping stum. Um, for example, the return of Alfie was kept heavily under wraps. Um, his name was changed in the scripts. There was no mention of Tom's name on any paperwork that went out for that day's filming. Um, we had a massive amount of security at the studio that we were filming at, um, and. Um, the production company and crew and cast all go to great lengths to keep things secret. You know, we, we know that there's a massive amount of attention around the show and, you know, there, is, there, there are people who, who, who want to find out what's going on and then, then put it out there. So um, you rely on goodwill, really. You know, you rely on, on, on the fact that all the crew have a a vested interest in not allowing that to get out. Certainly the cast don't, obviously. Um, it was, and, it was know, really, really nice to share that moment with everyone today, actually, because I was, I was showing to you and I look at everyone, they're all going, <gasps> So yeah, it, was, it was nice to see that, to be fair. <laughs> I, mean, I think, uh, I think uh, Tom uh, obviously uh, knows Stephen quite well and that that's something that we kind of, kind of knew might happen, but we couldn't, as John said, we couldn't say anything. Um, and in a way, you kind of think, was that enough? Was it enough to just see Alfie in one scene? But of course, the scene is such a great scene, and keeping it to the end of the series is like a, it's a bit of a treat, really, for everyone. Um, but I think in terms of the secrecy and the planning, it's like, as I mentioned before, for instance, you know, uh, Nicole 
works very closely with production and her construction manager to work out literally how long it's going to take us to build a particular set or to dress a particular location. And Stockport Plaza was a case in point because of the, the availability of it. Um, but of course, it, it's the show, and I have to say, Season 5 was a great example of uh, the whole crew working really closely together. Um, and often that doesn't happen, and actually really enjoying it, and that often also doesn't happen. But as a consequence, people were able to sort of literally go and talk to each other and say, we've got a problem here, how do we resolve that? And you go, okay, can we schedule around that? Is that artist available? So it sort of comes out of that whole process. And also at the heart of all of it is that, as a crew, you don't want it, the audiences... In, to in, you want them to enjoy it, to have a surprise for them to love it. And once that secret's out, it's out. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. ruined that moment yeah. for them, hasn't it? Yeah. That's precisely it. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It's that feeling. It was a, it's, it's, like a, it's a really special show to work on. And I, I think it was quite a tight team all round. Um, and yeah. I know that if someone had ruined that surprise for me, as a viewer who mm. just used to watch it, you know, avidly, I, I would have been gutted, absolutely yeah. gutted. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's. I, I think it is everybody just wanting to keep that surprise element for the fans, of which I am one. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. It's 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 a very special show. Yeah. We're very very lucky to be working on it. <laughs> yeah. Um, can I come to you, please? And then we'll come back over. Thank you. Um, it's the lady with the white top. Hello, well done, oh my gosh. I mean, <laughs> do you need any more compliments? I mean, yes, of course, it was amazing. Um, I was like, ah, the whole time. Fantastic, congratulations. You, so my question is, so the other day I was catching up on it because I wanted to watch it back to back so I could get every bit of information, like a book, um, with mum. And I just said to mum, I said, this is amazing, but they've got Italians, they've got New Yorkers, they've got... It's now the Scottish, they've got obviously England, you know. I was thinking, Mum, why, why aren't the Welsh in there, you know? <laughs> and, and is there, I was just, this is not me being, oh, Cymru, Cymraeg, you know, I'm just completely <laughs> wondering, was there ever a consideration, you know, like, did you ever think, oh, yeah, let's get a, because, you know, I mean, we're quite easy going down here, and we, but we, we, we did used to deal with coal. I don't know if you guys know about that, you know. What is quite funny, though, is they have been to Wales in previous series, haven't you? But did one you? was for nearly an illegal operation, and the other was for a gypsy to break a nice. kiss. Yeah. Nice, that's us, classy. Mm. Yeah. Sorry, I don't know the answer to that. It's a, it's a okay. Stephen question, really. No, and I don't think he's anti-Welsh at all. It's like, whatever fits the story. No. Oh, OK. No, I thought there was a lot of... Um, kind of, you know, storylines put in. Oh, let's have a character like this. That's what I thought. So maybe, yeah, if there's more, just bring in some Welsh. You know, we could be weird. We could be... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. we got our language. No, I'm a Welsh. I'm English. <laughs> we got our language as well, you know. You're Aaron, you're Welsh. Yeah. We've got a Welsh crew. So we're a Welsh special effects yeah. company. So we're based here in Cardiff. Yeah. Um, that's why I just want to say obviously uh, uh, so thank you to these guys for coming tonight uh, they've come here for BAFTA I'm immensely proud I live here in Cardiff my team that, that pr provide the special effects are based in Cardiff just up the road and, um, and we've helped 
for, for this evening, really, and, and I'm incredibly proud and to bring the Peaky family here tonight, to be honest. It was perfect in every way. I wasn't, you know... No, but I it's a good point. It's a very good know. point. We should, we should uh, Chris, you better sort that one out. <laughs> Hi. Um, I was wondering what it's like working with all the different, like, animals and stuff. Are there any, like, mishaps or funny stories? I don't know. We didn't have any mishaps that I can no. think of. No, we've got a brilliant, a brilliant horse master, uh, a company called Devil's Horseman. So uh, the sequence that you saw right at the beginning of the series when the horse gets shot, for instance, and obviously there's been some post-production on that, but actually that horse was trained effectively to do that fall. Um, and it was done really carefully and obviously all the ground was prepared around. We didn't really kill it. We didn't really kill it. But uh, no, as I say, there was a trainer there literally to sort of guide the horse, the horse down. Mm -hmm. And I think even Cyril, the dog, was, yeah. you know... It was, yeah, we, uh, well, the, hor the horse had... It was three months in the training, wasn't it? Um, because uh, that's sort of our job is that we... A part of the art department thing is getting the animals in and the animal handlers, wranglers, obviously, in liaison with Chris, etc. Um, yeah, the, the, the horse was amazing. Absolutely blew us away. We had to prepare the ground first. So where the horse was shot was actually within that area, but a little bit further away because we'd spent um, the day before prepping the ground. All of the the, it was dug down, all of the rocks were removed. Um, uh, gosh, about 400 mil of soft sand was put in, and then there was um, grass, soft grass dressed on top of that, so that when the horse landed, he had a, had a, had a safe land. Um, and the only thing that was guiding the horse down, in fact, he had been trained with the Hessian sack over his head as well, which was just remarkable. Um, but he had a... a, a, a a holder, a, a something around his girth, and there was a, a one of the devil's horsemen, um, horse masters. He just guided him down gently. So that was taken out in post. There was very little done in post production for that, which was incredible. But yeah, we get um, we we had the dogs in Cyril, of course. Yes, yeah, Cyril was a, a, a star on his own. And and what, what's amazing for the crew when when animals do come on set they usually don't just bring the acting animal they bring loads of other animals because they Aww. like the company so every every time i know we've got an animal on set it's just like yeah i just gotta go meet the animal people <laughs> <laughs> and just just yeah have a good it keeps the keeps the crew calm having animals around is brilliant <laughs> but they, yeah there is very strict will um, strict welfare um, and there's, there's massive guidelines because animal welfare is taken extremely seriously, so nobody gets hurt, there's no mishaps. <laughs> And that was our last question, everyone. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure there was more questions, but unfortunately we've run out of time. So can I just ask you all to give a round of applause for other brilliant productions? Thank you all. <laughs>